cybersecurity hacks have rocked parts of the ag sector in 2021, and it's likely we haven't seen the last attack. What's the best way for farmers to ensure their data remains secure? That's today on Field Posts. This is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. Earlier this year, meat giant JBS was forced to pay millions in ransom when a cybersecurity breach left data critical to their operation vulnerable to online criminals. Since then, other organizations, from cooperatives to pipelines, have also been attacked. And with more and more of agriculture's critical information being stored online, anxiety in the industry is growing. Today, Victoria Myers joins us to discuss her ongoing series on cybersecurity in the ag sector, walking us through the hacks we've seen, how companies and law enforcement are responding, and what might be ahead in terms of future risk. Then, Victoria will bring us up to date on the best tips for keeping your systems and data secure, right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential, more than ever, to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent, trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at mydtn.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. DTN senior editor Victoria Myers has been following trends in cybersecurity and agriculture for months as part of an ongoing series. Victoria, The big news that has kind of brought the idea of cybersecurity and agriculture, I think, to the fore has been questions about hacks, specifically on the agribusiness end of the spectrum, from processors to local cooperatives. You've done some really awesome reporting on this. Could you give us a little background on just what's happening there? I think this really became, uh, in a lot of people's minds, a big issue when we saw the uh, Colonial Pipeline hack. And Colonial paid a, a rather large ransom so that its systems could be released and it could proceed on with its business. And and it wasn't that long after that that we saw JB hacked and the same situation. They too chose to pay uh, a ransom. And that type of thing almost seems to encourage more. And I've also been told that once these hackers start working in a particular segment, a particular area, they will work there for a while. They'll sort of mine that for everything that they can get out of it before they move to other areas. And so their attention has really turned to agriculture. We already had the story in the can when the new cooperative hacking occurred, and that was out of Iowa. And no one has really spoken publicly about that, 
based on some of the sources from inside that. It was partially a password management situation. We often don't update our passwords. We don't change passwords. And so I think that that was part of the reason behind the breach that occurred there. But we started doing research on this actually a couple of months ago. And it's a very difficult thing to report on because no one really wants to talk about it publicly for fear of drawing attention to their particular business. And that's certainly understandable. So it was a challenge to write this, but I think that there's a lot of good information here. And I don't think that we've seen the last of this. I think that it's really ramping up right now. And I think for farmers, the big question here is, what do these breaches mean for data that farmers might have stored or information that these, whether it's agribusinesses that they work with on the marketing side or say precision agriculture partners that they have, does this put their data, their information at risk? Sure. I don't see any other way to to answer that question. I, I don't think that it is an issue specific to precision agriculture. I will say that. And in our research, we spoke to, to precision ag people and several others all across agriculture. And it does seem right now that the very things that our farmers and our ranchers are being urged toward which is the use of precision and sustainability. And you've got third-party verifications coming up and becoming much more common. That is simply opening them and those industries up more to potential attacks because the more interconnected we are, the more opportunity we create for cyber attackers. That's just a fact. But that doesn't mean that we should dial things back two or three decades. I don't think that's much of an option either. We have to move forward, but we have to move forward with protections in place. And there should be pressure on companies and developers to improve on these levels of protection. That's the expectation of people who are using their products, and that's what people should be. The problem with that is that in many cases, this becomes a real financial issue because a lot of times the small and up and comers, they're often the most nimble. They have some of the most groundbreaking ideas and technology, and they're not always financially able to put in all those protections as a global corporation, for example, would be able to provide. And so that becomes an issue, and I think an awareness of that issue on the part of farmers and ranchers is important. Does that mean that we don't move toward that? I don't think that's even an option in the world that we live in anymore, but I think that we have to be smart. We have to ask questions of these companies, and we have to protect our own data with redundancies. I especially favor external hard drives where that is an option. Uh, Some people I know store things in the cloud as well as on an external hard drive. You can back those up constantly or you can back them up weekly. But those type of things to protect a lot of your information, it's, it's very key. It's really important. So I think people need to think about protecting themselves not necessarily having an expectation that someone else is going to do that job for them. Seems like that very first line of defense is definitely farmers themselves. But I'm curious in your reporting, have you 
heard about or, you know, seen any announcements from either companies themselves or even government officials about further measures that might be able to protect this data or protect this information? First, and let's just get this right, a a company or even the government, they're not going to share that kind of information with you. They don't want to share that information. It creates more vulnerability. And and actually I found there is, I'm going to use the word overlap. I don't know if that's correct terminology, but there's a, there's a certain degree, a large degree of overlap where entities are using software protection products from the same company. And sometimes those are tweaked a little and they lean them a little bit more toward that particular business. But if you think about it, we all go out and and buy software protection program X down at the big box store at the corner. We're all using basically the same product. If someone can hack that with one person, they can hack that with other people. And it's the same idea on a much larger scale when we talk about corporations. So What happens is as soon as there's a breach, you will begin to see updates and patches sent out. And and those need to be implemented as soon as possible. And that gets back to private responsibility. We can't just say we went to the big box store and we paid our money and we loaded it into our laptop and we're good. You're not good unless you're updating that information whenever you get a patch or an update. That's part of the issue. Also, I think you asked about the government side of that, and we did reach out to USDA on more than one occasion, and we never received a response, which really doesn't surprise me. Are they going to tell us in detail what they're doing? Most likely they're not. That would not be a benefit to them. There was an executive order issued in February of this year by President Joe Biden tasking the heads of federal agencies to report to the president on the strength and resilience of the supply chains here in the U.S. And and specific to that, they wanted to look at cybersecurity and protections. That information is being compiled. It shows me that there is an awareness of the issue. There have been some publications already in response to that executive order calling for public comments. I did find it interesting, though, that one of those responses which came from the Food Protection and Defense Institute at the University of Minnesota, outlined some concerns over what they called significant cybersecurity-related risk to the agricultural and food product supply chain. And it was not long after that flag went up that we saw the breach March 30th of JBS. So there is an awareness on a very high level that these attacks are targeting agriculture right now. But if if we look at the results and we look at what's actually happened, have there been hundreds of these attacks that were prevented that we don't know about? Were these just the few that slipped through or are we ineffectual on the whole? That is a question it's really impossible to answer because that, you know, those parties don't want to talk about that. And and I can certainly understand why, but it's a difficult question to answer. Victoria, we'll be right back to you after this quick word from our sponsor. 
This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Marketplace. Marketing is a year-round business, but it's not your only job. As you focus on field work, monitor your opportunities, and easily make an offer with help from the free DTN Ag Marketplace app. DTN Ag Marketplace facilitates end-to-end grain sales on your schedule. From your mobile device, you can easily connect to local agribusiness to view current cash bids and futures to sell your grain. Need more accountability in your marketing program? The app lets you set goals and monitor progress and enter and track inventory. Start to confidently market your crops with DTN Ag Marketplace. Download it today for free in the Apple Store. Now, back to the show. And we're back with DTN Senior Editor Victoria Myers. Victoria, I want to dig just a little bit deeper there as well to talk about the law enforcement aspect. I think we've heard in some of the cases of uh investigators being able to get funds back when ransoms were paid or things like that. Is that if, if an organization is attacked, is what kind of law enforcement mechanisms are out there to help them recover? My understanding is through Homeland Security, there are agents that specialize in this. And I think it's important if there's a breach to report to law enforcement immediately so that people that specialize in this can get on site Sometimes these are uh, not real breaches. In many cases, could you look at your computer if someone sent you an email and said that they had breached it and had all your personal information? Could you tell if they were telling you the truth? Could you tell what they had actually taken? Most people can't. Now, large corporations and businesses are supposed to have people on staff who should be able to see if this is a real threat or not. But I think it's key to bring in law enforcement and specialists and have them look at this. And this is not a new problem. This is not something that law enforcement is just learning about. It's interesting that the first electronic bank robbery, which is what they called it, actually goes back to 1994. And again, it was uh, Russian computer programmers. They were working out of St. Petersburg, hacked into the systems of a major U.S. bank and started skimming. They made away with more than $10 million before the bank realized that this was going on. Now, at this time, there were no cyber crime teams. There were just white collar criminal investigators. And one of those, his name is Andrew Black. I found some historical information on him. He was quoted in an FBI article on the case. And He recalled that his team arrested the wife of a Russian national who tried to withdraw some of those illegal funds from a San Francisco bank. Now, her husband had already gotten on a plane and gone back to Russia. But once she was arrested, the wife agreed to cooperate and helped lure him back to the United States where he was arrested. And Andrew Black eventually became a part of the city's FBI computer intrusion squad, which was one of the first in the country. And today for many in IT, when we talk about a data breach, it's become more of a when situation than a what if. If you look at the FBI's 2020 internet crime report, they received 700,000 cybercrime complaints in 2020 with losses of more than $4 billion. And that was a nearly 70% increase over the year before. And there is some conjecture that when the pandemic hit and so many people started working from home, 
they were not necessarily on the networks that they were on when they were in the office. And so a lot of hacks began to pop up, literally coming out of emails that people were clicking on, on their home computers while they were working remotely. So we saw a huge increase. And I think that opened the door for a lot of these criminals to feel like they could hold more companies and individuals up for ransom than they could before. Wow. It's fascinating stuff. And there's so much out there outside of agriculture that it seems that perhaps we're just at the beginning here. But I want to ask as well, specifically about, we've talked a little bit on the farmer data side and kind of production data, but also markets, agricultural markets, big trading floors have become very digitized, very dependent on the internet, and there being buyers and sellers all around the world. What have you learned in your reporting about those markets and how much at risk or not? I was very concerned about that. And and I hoped that I could speak to someone with the Chicago Mercantile Exchange specifically about this. But again, as I said earlier, you know, there is a real reluctance to speak out publicly uh, about this issue because I think there's a fear that it makes that entity a target. So while the CME didn't provide us anyone from their security team to answer our questions about the safety of the marketplace. They shared a statement and a copy of their annual report. They have 40 global employees on a cyber defense team. And they said nearly 1,500 security incidents had been successfully managed. And so all that I can really share here is that I think everyone is certainly aware of the issue and they're doing everything that they can to stay on top of it. I will just add though, that you look at those numbers, you think that's a lot of people and and they're doing a great job, but you look at JBS Global and they had a lot of people too, and they were breached. So I don't think there are any guarantees when we talk about this situation. Absolutely. Yeah. For however many folks there are out there defending the systems, there's probably just as many, if not many more trying to hack it. So I'm curious, taking all this into account, you've talked a little bit about what farmers can do to protect their data, backing up data to make sure it's secure in a secondary location. Any other big kind of rules of thumb or or tip that you learned during your reporting for farmers or other agribusiness professionals about how to protect against these cyber threats? Sure. And and I don't want to bore you with these because it's a lengthy list, but I did pick up some things that I hadn't really thought about. The first thing that the experts advise is that you as a farmer or rancher simply have a conversation with any companies that you work with and share your personal information with, ask them what they're doing to safeguard your data and how often they update and what their recovery time is. You do not be afraid to ask them because you're entrusting them with some important information. And I think especially critical are companies that want your banking information, say for direct deposit, things like that or your social security information, maybe they issue you 1099s. Those are the companies that are gonna have your data and that's the kind of information that can be sold uh, on the black web. And yeah, that's what I would be most worried about. And next I'd like to just mention something that was really new to me. For larger operations, you know, I would really consider 
at least exploring the cost of a contract with an incident response company. And, and these are companies, uh, they've been overwhelmed this year. I mean, there's simply not enough to take care of the number of um, incidents that have occurred. But they basically, you call them when you feel your systems have been hacked. And they come in and they help you through that recovery process. They look at what has really happened. And these groups, these companies, you essentially have a contract with them. And if you are a customer, then you're going to get a much faster response time. If you're not a customer, you're going to go to the end of the line when you call them. So that to me was something I wasn't really familiar with. And I was told that a good place to start to get names of these companies is with your own insurance company. Your provider should be able to point you towards some good incident response teams. And while you're talking to them, just ask them exactly what your policy provisions cover in the event that your business is hacked. Maybe they already have something like this in place as part of your policy. But that is a really good starting point for a fairly large business. And then we just get to the basics, good passwords, which I know everybody hears that, but really hear that good passwords, put in system updates as they become available. Do not click on links and emails that are suspect, that are from people you don't know. They look a little weird. There are misspellings in them. Anything that sends off a little red flag to you, do not click on those links because that is one of the major ways that these folks get into systems right now. Where you can, use two-factor authentication. I know it's a hassle, but your bank, your brokerage firms, things like that, it is worth the extra few seconds to have them text you a number and put that in. That ensures that it's you looking at your account. That is really important. Keep good antivirus protection on all of your devices and update them whenever updates are available. Uh, And I mentioned this before, back up your data routinely. And I don't just mean in the cloud because the cloud can be hacked too. Go down to your big box store, buy yourself a nice external hard drive that'll hold a lot of data and plug it in and you're ready to go. That is really a key thing to me that people can do and protect themselves. And then lastly, I just to say, our readers are some of the nicest people in the world. So this is something that, that I'm always concerned about When you get a phone call and it's someone that you don't know and they want personal information from you, they want to know your address. They want to know your phone number. They want to know your mama's name. They want to know your password or your social security number or where you bank. Do not give them any personal information. You don't have to be nice when people that you don't know call you. Just hang up. And if you're concerned that it might be a legitimate call, ask for a callback number and call your local law enforcement or somebody that you really trust and have them investigate it before you have a conversation with that person. We all want to be nice and that's what they count on. And sometimes these hackers will also try to scare people. They'll call you and tell you that, as crazy as it sounds, that some family member of yours has been kidnapped. 
and they want you to go down to the you know, corner store and, and get a money order and send your family member is okay. Just take a minute and get on another phone and call them and verify that to make yourself feel better. But don't fall for these things. They use emotion. They sound so legitimate and businesslike and professional. Just don't fall for it. I don't want to see any of our readers ever caught in a situation where they have to go back and rebuild or they lose a lot of money to one of these people because once it's gone, it is gone. You can read Victoria's ongoing coverage of cybersecurity in the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine and online at dtnpf.com. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer with special thanks to Victoria Myers. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit dtn.com.